Hi there, esteemed audience, and welcome to another episode of Middle Grade Ninja. I'm your host, Rob Kent. As you know, I'm the author of Banneker Bones and the Giant Robot Bees, which, as always, is available as an audiobook, a paperback, but the ebook, esteemed audience, the ebook is free to download whenever you're watching or listening to this, wherever fine ebooks are sold. Uh, more relevant, perhaps, to tonight's discussion, I am also Robert Kent. That's right, my super secret pen name is three more letters on the back of my previous name, or sorry, two more letters, uh, writer, not a mathematician, Robert Kent. So, under that super secret, Secret pen name. I've written two two zombie novels all together now. A zombie story, and all right now a short zombie story. They are for a slightly older audience. It's a young adult novel, a little bit more gore and guts than the zombies we're going to be talking about tonight. But I'd be a fool not to mention it. Uh, for more information about all of that, and more importantly for interviews with thousands of literary agents, editors, authors, all the world's best people, head to middlegradeninja.com and we've got to get started. I couldn't be more excited. Our guest today is none other than Max Brallier. Max, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I almost said, I almost said welcome. I almost, welcome, welcome. Uh, thank, you, thank you. Thank you for having me. I feel even more welcome now. I appreciate it. Yeah, we're all welcome here. So uh, esteemed audience knows that I never torture my guests by making them sit through me summarizing either their biography or their book, how painful for you. Uh, so if you would give uh, esteemed audience an overview of your background and we'll go from there. Oh boy, I'm, I'm, also, I'm also really bad at summarizing um, my own stuff. I didn't like pitching it, um, talking about it even. Um, so I write, um, I write a series called uh, the, Last Kid, the Last Kids on Earth. I write a series called Erie Elementary. I read a series called um, Galactic Hot Dogs, which is a trilogy that's, that I finished. Um, I, I read a current ongoing series called Mr. Shivers, which is a spooky short story collection. I've written um, two adult zombie novels, uh, both were of which were um, uh, sort of you, uh, in the style of the old Choose Your Own Adventure books, um, but not called that because I called that lawyers show up at my house um and let's see and i i did um i sort of got started writing um certainly got started writing uh as a job uh, um writing activity books and journal books and sticker books for um all sorts of stuff but a lot of um sort of cartoon network shows tie like tie-in stuff like that uh yeah so that's yeah that's what that's me uh, one book that jumped right out to me off your bibliography was Charlie Sheen, Vatican Assassin, Warlock. Oh, my God. That <laughs> one I forgot about. Um, that was, I had, I'm trying to think of where that even exists, if anywhere. I think it's on ebook somewhere you can download. I wrote, I wrote that with a coworker of mine. When I, I worked, I worked in book publishing is how I got into, sort of how I got into writing books is I worked in book publishing. And so we would sit around and just kind of come up with ideas for stuff and try to sell book ideas. Um, and nobody had any interest in that, but we wrote it ourselves over like a weekend. And um, I think we put it up on Amazon or something. I forget. It was uh, it's like a short, short story back when he was going nuts the first time. All about his drinking tiger blood and stuff. Um, it was a bit about it. He got it. Sorry, what happened to him while he was shooting platoon and um and he actually and it's like he basically gets lost on the set and ends up in this weird uh weird situation where he gets an infusion of tiger blood and becomes a superhero it's very bizarre i've not read that in at least mm, at least 12 years yeah I love that it's still out there and widely available uh, just because you're becoming, or if not already, a household name uh, with The Last Kids on Earth and the Netflix series and the video game and, and all of that. I love that Charlie Sheen's still out there. Don't don't let your art die. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, that's uh, it's some important art the world would miss. <laughs> Charlie Sheen being nuts, unfortunately, is probably going to go on being relevant for <laughs> several more years. Uh, yeah, seriously. <laughs> So um, I know that you also worked on, uh, you worked for St. Mark, Martin's Press and Marketing, and then you also worked as a game designer for, uh, is it Poptropica? Yeah, Poptropica, Poptropica, yes. Which of those jobs was first? Um, well, 
um, when I was a game designer for Pop Tropic, I was like a side. It was I would do it at side a side job at night um, and on weekends. I always I, I had like a lot of like sort of side hustle things. Um, so I was doing that on the side while I was at St. Martin's. Um, and I think even before it, before say before St. Martin's, I worked at Penguin um, in contracts for a little like maybe two years. Um, so I I got into I got into I got I, got, I sort of got into book writing via book publishing. I got into the uh, um, an internship at Penguin in the contracts department, um, and the person I was interning for um, quit, and they gave me basically offered me her job. Uh, it was like after a month, and I was like, sure, I will take that. Um, please, yes, please. And so then I was. Um, I was at Penguin for a couple of years, and I was at St. Martin's for more years, maybe six years or so, five years. Um, and then I took a stab at full-time author, basically, from there. Did you see you were doing some of the uh, licensed projects uh, while you were there working as uh, with their marketing team, or? I was, I did the license, um, no, so I, yeah, I worked with the marketing team, but I still had I had um, friends from back when I was at Penguin previously, um, and I would basically just like um, take people that I knew, like editors and stuff, to lunch and happy hour drinks, and like beg them for anything that like work for higher jobs that they had. So um, I was working in marketing, but sometimes I would be lucky enough to get like a, you know, um, need somebody to write the sticker book. I get like an email out of the blue, and I would um, sort of work on. They'd have a sticker book to do. I'd take it. Um, I work on it during lunch and during the weekends like that. Did you always want it? Was was author always the goal, or is that something you kind of happily stumbled into? I kind of happily stumbled into it. Um, the my goal, my original goal, um, was like was I I was making movies, and I think if I think harder about that, it meant writing and directing movies um that was the first thing that i really loved i was i was a reader growing up and books were really important to me but um the most sort of uh the biggest thing in my life as like you know, maybe starting around like third or fourth grade um up until now um is movies so um when i was in sixth grade yeah sixth grade um i started writing a, a movie review column for our local paper called reviews for kids um that my mom uh i love i said i love going to the movies but i could never afford it when i was a kid like it was it was like my whole allowance was the, was the, was the whole was, was going to a movie and so i was telling my mom one day that like i thought the coolest job in the world i used to love roger ebert and i would just sit and read his reviews like at a big book of them um like nonstop. Just like read like you know read reviews of movies I never even seen I didn't care um, and uh, I just told my mom that I, that the best job in the world seemed like it would be um, to be a movie critic because then you got to go to the movies for free and she's like that you could that's an actual thing that you could do you know and um, and she encouraged me to write a letter to our local paper I lived in a little town um, about twenty minutes north of Boston and. Um, she encouraged me to write a letter to the, the, the editor of the local paper saying that I thought that there should be um, like a movie review column for kids, by kids, or by a kid, me. And uh, and I did, and I, I, then I sort of did it, like kind of forgot about it, but then I heard back like maybe three months later and they offered me this job um, writing like one, uh, I, had, I had like a, a weekly column where I'd write one movie review and then I would usually do like like one new like in the theaters movie, and then I would review like a couple of things on video, or I would review like some books, um, graphic novels, or comic books, um, or like you know like a seasonal like it's Halloween like here's like five like awesome you know awesome Halloween movies. Um, but I'd always what would happen is I it would if the local video store was out of the if someone had, had rented the movie I could kind of, I could watch it back then you know so I was like I, I would have to it'd be like picks that were um recommended but also happened to be in stock at the local video store um 
so that's like the first writing that I really remember like doing, um, like that I sort of had to take seriously. Um, and so that kind of turned into me wanting to write and direct movies. And I went to school for that. Um, but when I got to school for that, I realized that I'm something still trying to kind of work my head around. Uh, is that like personality wise, I was no good at trying to direct stuff. I was way too shy and way too anxious um, to like ask people to um, kind of like give me their, you know, give me your, can I please have your weekend so you can like, you know, uh, give me your, your, all your, all your, um, your Friday, Saturday, and Sunday um, so that you can help me. I'll give you some pizza if you help me make my, you know, film project. Um, which was like how it worked at school and like I did that for everybody else but I just never felt comfortable doing it um, and never felt comfortable with like sort of roping people into some like vision half thought out vision that I had um, so I was really so everything that I would ever have to like direct or make I was really was really bad usually me doing it by myself or me with like one friend and also I had I was not good um, I don't have, I'm not great with detail and so like I would do shoot this whole thing and then mess it up because I would mess up the film processing. It was just like back when it was actual film, um, stuff like that. So, um, but I, I discovered that I really liked the, I liked the writing more than I knew kind of going into it. Cause that I could sit there, uh, I could sit at my sort of, you know, sit up, sit in my dorm room and I could work for like six hours or something and um, just by myself. And um, I could finish the whole project kind of by myself um you know there's no one no one that you sort, I sort of need to pull into it um and so that's when I started to really like writing um to like not to, to get to get really really more serious about it and um and so after college I um figured I wanted to be a screenwriter I sort of always I'd known that for a long time but uh that I knew that I wanted to be a screenwriter and not anymore so the director thing was not in my head anymore. So I moved to um, New York and began being a production assistant on like movies and TV shows, um, uh, like Fear Factor, The Sopranos, um, some independent movies, a couple other, some couple, just a couple bigger movies. The Interpreter, which is really cool. That they shot that at the um, at um, it's like, um, drawing a blank on what it's called. Um, uh, at, at, at the UN, I got to, and I got to hang out at the UN for like a weekend, um, and um, but that, and so my plan was I was going to work on movies and then write movies and then I would show the people that I worked on, show the people that I worked with, worked on movies with, the movies that I had written, um, and then I would sell one. But it was just such a different world, like the sort of the production side of it. I was so far removed from kind of the creative side of it that. Um, didn't after about maybe a year or so um i had not made any progress um and so i took an internship in book publishing thinking that would give me more time to write and it did and while doing that i i sort of discovered that i liked writing books and i was closer to books so that's that felt more, more achievable um it, even more than writing screenplays so it was, yeah it's a weird long process kind of roundabout the last, uh, the last Kids on Earth is a huge hit for Netflix. I assume uh, anybody on a streaming service will at least take your call. Have you thought about uh, getting back into screenwriting or, or film? Um, so I, I was, with Last Kids, I was really lucky because everything had sort of changed from how I always sort of understand the way, the way it worked, which was, um, you know, somebody would option a, a writer's book or, um and then they would kind of just take it and make whatever they wanted with it. And then you'd hear maybe nothing from the author. You hear the author say, um, you know, like famously like, you know, Stephen King hates the shining, you know, for, doesn't, doesn't like the shining, you know? Um, but I was asked to be, I think he wrote, he wrote, I think the first draft, right? They, they paid him to write a draft, I believe, the shining. Um, I just finished a new book yesterday. Um, and, uh, so I was asked. I was asked from the beginning to be very involved with it. So I got to write um, a lot of it, which was so I found that's when I got to I got to do that. I got to actually write some stuff, um, like 
write a write um, teleplays, yeah, scripts. Um, I, I, I co-wrote the first episode, which is like sort of like a mini movie, 66 minutes. And then I wrote, um, I think two or three episodes from each, each other season. Uh, so I, I have gotten to do that. And then I, and then I, um, my best friend, uh, one of my, my, one of my three or four sort of like close, my, my best friends from high school. Um, and the one who I most shared the kind of movie thing with, it was like our thing. We loved movies and, um, we ended up writing maybe four years ago. Um, we wrote a movie together that, um, we sold and got made that was, um, very like totally not kid um not not a kid's thing it was like a it has like a john carpenter sort of vibe um it's called vfw which is like it's like a sort of horror action movie um and that was really cool because we wrote it us we wrote it um and it was like my friend from like growing up when we were driving around driving around cars or 16 talking about movies we would want to make one day and then you know um 20 years later we we got to write and produce one um so that was like really 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 cool and so we're still working on other stuff like that and on the in the back of my sort of you know there's a lot of files on my computer of with half started um screenplay ideas and stuff like that um and some stuff that i would really like to focus on but the last kids the last kids book series schedule um keeps me pretty busy and so there's 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 some there's some other middle grade book series ideas that I have um, a couple adult um, book ideas that I have and then some sort of movie and one or maybe two TV ideas that I have that um, I really would like to play around with but um, for the most part the, the the last kids book series schedule keeps me too busy to give it the time it deserves so it'll have to wait a couple of years. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, and as a fan of The Last Kids on Earth, I can't complain about that. That's like, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I want to talk a lot about The Last Kids, and I want to talk about uh, the new, the newest uh, Last Kids on Earth from the Forbidden Forest. It's available now, esteemed audience. You can be pulling it up while you're listening to us, whenever you're listening to us. Uh, but I want to I want to talk a little bit about working for St. Martin's Press, sure. because from the outside, being there in the marketing with the pub marketing team with the publisher, that seems like a huge advantage. Now, obviously, uh, Last Kids on Earth stands on its own merits. So all you have to do is sit down and read them. Like, oh, th it makes sense why this would be so popular. I can see why children are, are gravitating. And I've seen them uh, when, when, when I teach. I, I, I see that book regularly being carried around by students. Like, so it stands on its own, but just on, on paper, that looks like, well, what a huge advantage for somebody who's going to become a, a mega successful author to start yeah. right there working in marketing. What do you learn that, that, that while you're working in marketing that maybe sets you up for success, you think? Um, I mean, it was, it was huge. Um, and that's like one people ask, whenever like friends ask me, you know, like, I want to, I want to be a writer. I want to sort of get into this. I'm always like, you should go work in book publishing, um, which for a long time was a really probably annoying answer. Cause it means you had to, you had to move to New York city or maybe Boston, maybe San Francisco, but that was about it. Um, now there's more, you know, um, right now there's a lot of, you can do it everywhere, anywhere. Like over, like over the pandemic, my my editors have uh, who used to all be in had to had to be in New York City um, moved. One is in Nashville now, and um, one moved to Austin, and um, one uh, further out into New York it doesn't really go to the office anymore. So it's more achievable now from sort of anywhere. Um, but I don't. I, th I mean, I, I think I learned I learned a lot. Learned a lot about learned a lot about marketing, which has been helpful, um, working on less kids. And it's something that I sort of enjoy weirdly. Like I like the thinking and stuff around marketing and like how to kind of, um, talk about something in uh, different exciting ways to exciting to me ways to try to sort of cut through the the noise of all the many books that come out. Uh, that, was one, something, that was something I found really intimidating when I was overwhelming, intimidating, uh, sort of cripplingly so sometimes when I was trying to be a writer was going to, um, I would go to the bookstore, walk around 
um, sort of looking for ideas and looking to see what other people were writing, what was popular. Um, and there's so many books out, you know, like it's, there's so many books. Like if you're a movie fan, um, pretend it's not, pretend it's 2020 or 2019, um, you know, every movie, every weekend there's like six sort of kind of major movies that come out or something. And those are the ones that you sort of are, you're aware of. And, uh, but if you're, if you're a reader, it's like every Tuesday, it's like 700 books come out. Um, and so it felt very intimidating to try to be like, how does any person cut, uh, rise to the top of that? Um, which I know I don't mean in terms of success or anything or quality, but just like, you know, cut through all of those books, um, to, to sort of get any focus or attention, um, to be seen. So, uh, it was, it was helpful in that. I, I like that part of marketing where you're trying to figure out sort of like, how, how do you do that with the, with the book? Um, you know, here's a, here's a new book that we're really excited about and we've read it and we all think it's really great. How do we, what's like fun, what's a fun thing we can do? I like the sort of like fun outside of the, outside of the box kind of ideas. Um, but I think more like practically for me, it was more about, um, I was in my like mid twenties, early, mid, and I was, yeah, in my twenties, basically when I was in book publishing. And so I was like always just, you know, going to lunch and happy hour and parties on the weekends at people's houses and apartments and stuff in New York city with, um, friends who were editors and friends who were, um, agents sometimes and friends who were, who were publicists and, uh, and a lot of, and a lot in marketing. That was like kind of my social circle. Um, which again, like kind of back to, I don't know, like, I mean, you can talk about the pandemic, but, um, it's, it's very weird when I think about the fact that they don't really go into the office anymore. So like at, I know at, at Penguin who publishes Last Kids, um, they don't, they don't have offices anymore. They have a floor that you can go and you get to borrow a desk, like a, like a WeWork or something, like a hot desk. There's no, they don't have like an office anymore. That was like my entire social, I wouldn't have had any friends though, um, if I hadn't had my job and I, that's where like I looked forward to going. Um, and that's how I, I that's it. That was like my community. Um, and so, um, the, there I would, I had like friends who were agents, yeah, agents and editors and stuff. And I could go and ask them questions and say like, Hey, I want to write, I, I want to write as a, I always, I always wanted to write professionally by which I'm, I mean, like I didn't, I tried to look at it in a business way as opposed to like, a. Uh, I think it's easy with, especially with book writing, I think it's easy for people to get kind of lost and like, you know, I'll wait for like the creativity to sort of hit me and then I'll write something and it'll, I, I would, I was like, okay, what, like, what can I sell? What, what could I, how can I make a living doing this? Which is how I ended up writing lots of, you know, activity books, sticker books, trivia books, things like that. Anything that would just sort of like help me pay the rent. It wasn't at all, um, uh, you know, picky, um, but it, it helped me kind of get a sense of what the market was like, which was bad for a while. Cause I was, I spent a lot of time trying to write to what I thought I could sell and what I thought people were buying. And I wrote a lot of books that were like off like uh, proposals and stuff that like, they were just awful. Like, you know, stuff that I was not good at writing, like mil bad military, mil 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 bad military, military, what can I say? Bad military thrillers. Um, and like, um, I try like a bad, um, sort of sex in the city, but they're all bank robbers together. Like, uh, uh, like, no, they're like, uh, cat burglars together. And they would like, you know, these heists and, um, a lot of stuff like that where I was like, okay, this is what seems to be popular. And I would like take it and change it and kind of make it into something of my own. Um, so there's a, a good side and, and a downside to that sort of trying to treat it very like very much like this is a job but how do you how do you write something that will pay your bills um but i got to meet a lot of, my, my whole community was people who help books get made so that's how i met my agent um uh, my, my first agent was just through a friend um when i had written a post that i finally really liked um and she's like oh yeah i know a guy um who, who might be good for this and i emailed him and that became my agent 
Um, and that happened sort of similarly, I can't really say similarly, similarly again for my second agent who's my current agent. Um, and so, yeah, that, that was the way it was most like sort of practically helpful, right? Gotcha. But of course, there's lots of people that are working in publishing, all invited on the show. Get in touch with me. Let's make this happen. Um, lots of people working in publishing, lots of people who go on to publish books, very few who have then gone on to be as prolific as you uh, and, and who have had uh, the success uh, that you've had. And I know that there's always a, been an element of chance to that, but I only mm -hmm. believe that to a point. And I know that you, you're working on stuff like Lego, Adventure Time, Steven Universe. Um, you're doing lots of, of work for hire, and that's training you just to get, get things on the paper. I assume you're not being overly precious when you're trying to pay your, your rent with those, right? No, I wasn't being overly precious. Um... But it, it uh, that's sort of how it ended up. The Adventure Time, um, Lego, sort of Steven Universe, a couple other shows. Um, that was where the first um, kind of kids that I sort of stumbled into the kids thing too. Like I, 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 I the book published, book writing books and also writing for children were both sort of. Um, I wouldn't say accidents, but um, were not like was not the plan that I sort of set out with. Um, so like when I sat, like I I would sit, used to, I, I had like a it's like a six four walk up I lived in, and you could go um, as long as like the land the the super wasn't around, you could go all the way up and kind of push through the the, uh, the fire like the roof exit. I would so I'd go up there on the uh, at night and on the weekends and it was warm. And I would sit out there with this uh, lousy old beach chair uh, on the roof, and I would sit there and write. And when I was doing that, what I was usually writing was a was sort of adult stuff, like um, zombie stuff. Like I I love I'm a huge zombie nerd, um, and had and had been for like forever because I grew up in Pittsburgh for a while. So I was very aware of Dawn of the Dead and George Romero and stuff from like an early, early, early age. Um, and I remember always being like, that. I, like, I wanna make my own zombie thing. Then they became really popular once, um, once, I mean, to me, it always felt like it started with 20 days later. And then, um, and then the Dawn of the Dead remake, the James Gunn one, and then, um, and then the Walking Dead kind of all sort of hitting within the same five years or so um I remember being like bummed out like, I was like man that's like what I would want to do and now these like, people are doing it and like I'm going to miss my chance but like still going strong um so uh that's so I, I would sort of I would write zombie stuff um for adults and then it was only because I started doing those um work for hire projects that I started to sort of find a kid's voice which I did which I found came very naturally to me um, like way more naturally than most adult writing that I'd been doing came to me. And my, and my, and my adult writing was also like pretty much like a kid, but just a kid who's like swearing a lot in a way. Like, you know, like, a first, <laughs> like, a, um, like, like the choose your own adventure style book that I did. It's all, um, second person, you know, so it's like, you do this, you do that. And, um, it's sort of just like me and it, talking like with my own voice and I sound like a 24 year old kid um and it's not that much different probably than the than the voice of of Jack and like the first last kids book um much like it's less it's sort of less mature in a way um so yeah so I sort of that 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 work for hire stuff is not overly precious about but it's what allowed me to kind of stumble into um like, oh, like, this is really fun writing for kids. I really enjoy this. This this really just kind of comes to me as opposed to sort of trying to um, to sort of force it as much. Which doesn't mean I don't still want to do write adult stuff sometimes. Um, but the, the, the kid's voice really came, just sort of happily kind of came to me. Well, for the record, should any producers be listening, I am not the target audience for Sex in the City, but if it had some heist in it, I might tune in. <laughs> that sounds like an improvement. I, I know. Um, it was, I, 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 some of those ideas I thought were okay. Uh, that one, yeah, it was, they were like, like, you know, Samantha sort of like go home with one and 
then they would they would yeah they'd always kind of get roped into like a heist involving one of the different guys sort of thing and um yeah they had a lot, a lot of those sort of weird ideas like not, not not that weird but like a lot of those like very like 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 so mainstream that it's absurd kind of ideas was it uh was it army of the dead or whatever the Zack snyder casino heist the zombies movie was yes. yeah i mean that works but we're fine yeah. Some heist in there. Put some zombies in there too. You can't have too many. Honestly, that's such a weird one. It's like, wait, why are there zombies in this? And uh, yeah, yeah, that's one. I that's also one that I sort of I kind of written a little bit uh, proposal for. It was uh, yeah, it was. uh, I forget if it wasn't Vegas. It was. It was. There was a city that there was like a zombie outbreak and it it got sort of sort of siloed off. like um like escape from new york style and they, and they had to they had to sneak in and and it wasn't a heist it was they had to steal a person i think sort of like escape from new york um but it was a it was like a female um getaway driver who was hired to like do like the ultimate zombie drive into the city um that was another one I know why I love zombies, and it's because I'm terrified of other people, especially when they all get together. Like they get they get some crazy ideas. Oh, watch out! Why do you love zombies? Um, it's you know, I whenever I answer that that question, I sort of try to come up with something smart, and I don't think there's a smart answer. I think it's because, um, and I said it's funny. I talked about this recently on an interview, not not that exactly, but about like why I love writing about end of the world stuff. And I was just finally sort of like really honest about it. And I was like, cause like when I was a kid, it seemed like a really cool playground, like to be able to kind of do whatever you want. And like, there were kind of no rules. Um, and I wasn't giving any thought to sort of, you know, uh, you know, the, the Romero movies particularly are sort of, there's a lot of um, social commentary and stuff, but I remember seeing those and just being like, oh, it looks really fun to have a whole mall to myself and kind of be able to do whatever I want um, and run around and be with like my three best friends. And uh, we can drive the cars that they have, you know, the cars in the ground floor, you could get in there and drive those and run over a bunch of zombies. And then some bikers come, you got to run up the stairs and run up the ex- escalator and then, uh, you, you know, hide amongst the, um, the uh, what, do they, what do you dress up with the, the sort of the not puppets, but you know, the, the sort of dummies that they dress up in the clothes and, you know, you go to the uh, Yes, and you go to the fishing store and you get your fishing line. You use it to make a gadget and stop some. Like I all just looked very fun. That was like watching, you know, like a it looked like a fun adventure. Um, and so that's sort of what drew me to, and also just the visual of like end of the world stuff is so striking. I think it's a large part of still why people like it. Just you know, um, a sort of. You know, New York covered in vines and and uh, you know Statue of Liberty sticking out of the sand is like just a striking, cool, scary image. Um, and so I like the, the zombies. I like zombies because it they they felt like this sort of like uh, there's like a an like an endless supply of almost like lemmings. You can sort of just kind of do weird stuff with. Uh, when I did that, uh, it was called, it was called, can you, can you survive zombie apocalypse was the, um, I forget what we called it. Pick your own path book or, um, when uh, I did one for venture time, it was called which way dude, that was like their, 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 um, their lingo for it. But the fun of it was just, I remember sitting around and thinking of like, what are different ways that like, I, what are different cool, like zombie scenarios I came up with like a hundred of them or something, and that's how the different paths all branched. Um, so I just liked the sort of like endless lemming kind of um, these things are going to come at you, and you got to chop them and blow them up and all this, and it sort of removes any um, for me, unlike you know, unlike a lot of other fiction or other fiction handles it differently, but it 
always removed sort of like the the moral dilemma of it. It's just like it was it's like I, I feel like a kid watching, you know, like a Schwarzenegger movie where he's just like, you know, just destroying 80 awful bad guys and you don't have to think about it. Um, and so I felt like zombies are sort of like that where it's, you know, they're going to come and bite you, turn you into one. So and so you got to, you know, throw a firecracker in there. And like that to me is sort of part of the, just the fun of it. Um, yeah. You don't have to feel bad about it. They're already dead. I mean, yeah, exactly. exactly. Right, exactly. Like you're, you don't have to feel bad about it. Yeah, exactly. They're already dead. Like they, they, you're not, you're not killing them. Um, unlike you know, yeah, there's, there's, uh, there's no gray area. Uh, yeah. We're talking uh, briefly about video games. That's something that always, uh, for me, underrides of you know, like uh, The Last of Us One and Two, where mm-hmm. there's these big moral questions about should I commit this murder or not. But we've just played a video game level during which you've had to kill thirty people to get to this actual pivotal cutscene where you have to decide, and it kind of undercuts the the drama. On the other hand, I I don't want to play the level without villains. So <laughs> I, I, I love I love video games. I play a lot of video games. I never. Um, I think I'm, I always, I, you know, when, when I'm on like video game forums and websites and stuff, there's always people talking about favorite stories and sort of, I saw like a Reddit thread recently about like what, what video game made you cry? And I've never been able, I don't think, cause I can think of maybe one example in Majora's Mask, um, where I ever felt like I've, I've never been able to, to separate like the, like I I just spent six hours like you know messed up so I kept running into the wrong table I kept running my character kept getting hung up on a table I was supposed to be running to do this you know like that it's a that I I'm the one controlling this and making them run around in circles sometimes and bop in the trees and also that yeah like those sort of kind of big dramatic moments something like The Last of Us yeah you know you're snapping like twenty dudes next just to get to just to get there and then um, yeah then it's like then they have like a big dramatic cutscene. Uh, I, I I find video game stories hard to get sucked into um, because I, 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 and I love video games, but I, I really play them for um, the like the challenge and the sometimes the social aspect when it's not like something online or um, I, I've never really been able to, and I'm jealous of people who are um, able to get like, really pulled into the story or like sort of the decision-making type thing of it because yeah it's like i know that i'm in control and i'm probably lousy at the game i just watched this guy yeah some racing game like drive off a cliff 35 times they couldn't get it right well it's rare but uh horizon zero dawn and red dead redemption 2 both come to mind both of those are games that that brought me to tears red dead redemption a couple of times replaying it even i know what's going to happen and still it really those are I, mean, uh-huh. I, love, I love both of those. I didn't I, I didn't play Zero Dawn, the the second Zero Dawn. Um, I played Zero Dawn. I played the um, the expansion that they had. Um, Bioshock is maybe one where I got close. That was like a that story wise. Um, and like yeah, the, and, and the uh, Red Dead. Red Dead was like story wise was you know that that and that's that's a really good example too of one where like there's like these moral dilemmas. But like when it's not, you're not when you're not doing that part of the game. It's like you're you're just mowing down like, or you're riding along and just you know hijacking, uh, hijacking stagecoaches left and right. And um, I mean, those mean those are those are fantastic games. So. Um... I could I could talk to you about video games forever, but I'm watching our time, and nobody uh, I don't want to miss the opportunity to talk a little bit more about zombies. So, last kids on Earth, when you're writing that, does that start as a proposal, or do you sit down and write? I'm going to write the thing that I most want in the world, or how does that come about? It was sort of I'm going to write the thing that I most want in the world. Um, it was so it, it it sort of ties back to the the movie thing, which which had kind of been the original kind of driving sort of driving force behind me wanting to kind of make stories um was was wanting to make like basically make star wars that's the thing that i love most um so i had start i started to i figured out that i like writing for kids and then um illustrated novels became popular like what we sort of know now is the, the sort of modern illustrated novel like um wimpy kid and dork diaries and big nate and things like that where um 
they're, they're heavily illustrated and the illustrations are really interwoven with the story to the point where you can't really remove one or the other and have it still work. I mean, they do audiobooks of, they do audiobooks of last kids, they do audiobooks of, I think, all those series. But, um, you know, the, the, the illustrations really telling the, either the punchline or moving the story forward, as opposed to like, I'm trying to think of stuff that I read growing up as illustrated, where it was sort of like, the illustrations are more there to support the story, or even like Erie Elementary, which I write, the illustration is there to kind of support the story. And also like, it's a context clue thing for readers. Um, but I really love the idea. Um, this is like, me spending, again, like I have a lot of time walking around bookstores to see what was popular. Um, I really loved, loved the idea of, like, one of the initial big sort of thoughts that I had was, could you do something that was a little bit like Wimpy Kid, a little bit like Big Nate, um, but not about middle school life, like not about like the sort of drama and comedy of middle school, but about like big action adventure, um, like zombie, sort of zombies, like a big zombie sort of thing with monsters and like Indiana Jones scope action stuff. Um, and so when I first started writing Last Kids, it was, it was like a, it had a diary format, um, uh, not, not a diary, it was like a sort of, it was Jack, um, sort of broadcast, it was like, I think it was called like Dispatches from the Treehouse at the End of the World, it was like one of the early titles that I was playing around with in one of the early, you know, first couple of days that I tried writing it, um, and he was sort of like talking, talking into almost like almost like 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 vlogging or something um talking into like just talking to the world not knowing anybody was listening and it was sort of like you know a transcript of what he was was going on what was going on um so i liked the idea of being able to tell yeah like tell this uh, sort of big big action story um adventure zombie story uh and try and do it in a way where um it could I liked how cinematic those illustrated novels feel and, and still feel. Uh, and so I, I, that's what I sort of was one, of, I was one of the big first big, big ideas was like, oh, could I, could you do that, that format for um, adventure stuff? And then, so it became um, a proposal. Um, yeah, it became a, a proposal um, of, I don't know, maybe 50 pages or so. 40 pages um, that I kind of, that I wrote and I rewrote a bunch of times. Um, and then, yeah, then, yeah, came proposal first. Something I bumped into, because I originally, my zombie book started out, well, I was going to be middle grade. Uh, I was going to focus younger kids. And then I, I, went, I wanted the zombies to say violent. I, I wouldn't do cartoonish zombies. They, they had to be really violent. And as soon as one, you know, did something inappropriate, I was like, well, let's just change. Let's up the age of my protagonist here. It's YA yep. now. We're going to have violence. How do you manage to steer? And I know there, there's, there, there's cartoonish violence, but how do you manage to steer clear of the inherent darkness of the apocalypse and, and keep things relatively light and fun without, because there, there is darkness. I mean, yeah. it's around the edges. Um, oh, I think that's a good question. That's a really good question. Because um, that's what I think I spend the most, at least for a while, I spent the most time thinking about. So the first book, Last one, it took me. It took me about three years to write the first last kids book because um, I I had a, a proposal that was that was pretty similar to what last kids ended up being, and then um, and sort of tying back to what I said before about how I really was focused on trying to write like I like for a living and sort of treat like a job, you know. And if you're a, a carpenter, you don't you don't get to pick what houses you're gonna build i don't know that's a bad analogy but you know um I, I i had rent to pay um and um and around that when last kids i started working on that I, I was just getting married and just like sort of life felt like it was going too fast and um but i had stuff to i, I had responsibilities that i hadn't had before so um i had an eight there's an agent who i really wanted to be my agent um and he read last kids um which at the time the proposal was called the treehouse at the end of the world and it was very very similar to and pretty similar to what the final product was 
but he had the note that you sort of are talking about that it's like it was too dark um like how do you write about like a true end of the world apocalypse thing not like you know there's not going to be a magic fix to it that um a bunch of the you know everybody's sort of turned into an actual zombie that's and not like yet yeah, not some sort of like like their eyes are swirly and they you know no like they want to eat the kids and turn them in, and them into zombies too like like the mailman the neighbor and then there's huge monsters who are um trying to eat the kids or destroy the kids or eat mon they, they you see them eat zombies like jack sees his neighbor's head get chomped off i think at one point um so it's definitely serious um in, in that sense and so th that was the big note that i got was this agent who i wanted to represent the, represent the book series uh, re represent me as an author thought it that the tone and the stakes didn't quite match like the voice of the sort of like sarcastic first person um kind of like funny sarcastic first person narrator jack and so i spent about so i went i went back and i reworked it and i changed a bunch of it to, to make it like a portal fantasy thing where they would go back and forth through this treehouse and they would go through the treehouse and come back and and and, and there was like a, it got sort of like a magic door inside this treehouse that would lead to like an alternate reality an alternate version of their hometown i was watching a lot of um what's it called back then um let's say psych not psych what's what's like that sort of x files -y, um show with uh, no that's that's probably too old no pop in my head i'm trying to blank um and I've, I've, my my recall has really gotten awful with like you know picturing the whole show um fringe um and so they would travel back and the kids would travel back and forth to this like alternate reality version of their hometown because that was another thing that I wanted to do like one of the kind of like big sort of like there, there's maybe like five or six kind of like big kind of like building blocks or like things that kind of came together to, to kind of make to be the series and there were things I wanted to do and one was that it was big like epic like like I said like sorry, I, I pictured it as like Indiana Jones style but like Marvel movie sized action sequences and stuff like that but all taking place like in suburbs um, and some like suburban sub, 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 sub locations. So like the places that I would imagine when I was a kid, like stuff happening, you know, like the water park or the Home Depot or Target or whatever. Um, and so that's the, the kids would go to this, this uh, end of the world version of their hometown, get into adventures. There was like bad stuff going on over there. Um, like there was some sort of like, evil spirit um thing in charge you know but it was like their gym teacher had been like transformed it was very different and so i spent about two years I, I i i reworked the proposal submitted it like to gave it to the agent like that my agent like that that he that he liked um that we submit we send around to a bunch of bunch of publishers um and penguin liked it and then when it came time i came time to actually write it and i talked about this on uh, I got to write a, I to do a guest post for John Scalzi's blog, which is really cool. I talked about this sort of process in like a lot of detail, but um, then I had to actually write the full book of that version and I hated it. Like it was not any, it was, I was miserable because I wanted to write like a real end of the world book, not like a, like a, there's a door to the end of the world book. Um, and so after like, I don't know, 18 months or so of trying to make that I got I got a finished manuscript out of it, um, but I didn't like it in the, at all. And so then I, I called my editor like almost in tears, basically one night, or uh, I talked to my wife about it, like in tears one night. I called called my editor the next day. I was like, I, I I know that the book's like six months late at this point or whatever it was, but can I go back and write this book that you guys didn't really buy? Um, but I had wanted to been I I wanted to write the whole time, and um, I did. And that became what Last Kids is. Um, but the notes that they had given me along the way, along these many different, many, many, many really um, not very good and, and really not fun. Like the fun wasn't there as, as a writer. So it wasn't coming through as, a, as fun for the reader. Um, these many different bad drafts that um, the tone, I, I found a tone that kind of bridged the two. That So it did work for the end of the world thing. Um, so 
and a very long answer to that question, but the, but uh, that is like the, the the first three years of the series were all about that question of like how to do that, how to balance those two things. Um, I think a lot of it is from is the first is is Jack's uh, sort of uh, narrative voice, his first person sort of whatever that, whatever that word whatever that phrase is, um, and that he's a little bit. Um, He's funny, he's sarcastic, he's really gung-ho positive about stuff. Um, he really just kind of tackles things with, let's go get it. Um, and that is sort of how it, kind, we kind of, I kind of try to, you know, um, smooth over the bumps between, this is a world where these kids don't know what happened to their parents, um, their neighbors are getting eaten, um, but also they're going to have so much fun because they're going to they get to the candy store and eat anything they want. They can go to the video game store, come home with all the video games they want, and no one's going to yell at them for um, for chewing gum and throwing out the treehouse window uh, in the backyard. So that's sort of how I, yeah. And they occasionally get to fight monsters and zombies yeah. and doesn't want to do that. Exactly. And they get to do, like, they basically, it's like they're just living in the daydream. They're living out, like, the daydreams that I had when I was a kid with, with me and my friends, like, what I, what I wanted to do. So the, yeah, the big epic stuff. Be, like, a cool hero. Uh, and I have the good fortune, of course, to be talking with you here uh, with book eight, although I think it's uh, number 13 in the series overall. So it's, it's book it's 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 numbered book eight but it's um it's basically it's like number 11 in the sort of narrative storyline because there's three books that we didn't give numbers out of me fearing that um i would, ang that I would get angry emails from readers um because they they're not jack it's jack's not narrating them so there's not the same sort of voice as usual and the jack the main character is not in it in them as much if at all as usual um one is um a book just from june's point of view one's a book from quentin dirk's point of view and one is um a, a sort of graphic novel that has that sort of shows um a little mini adventures for each of them and then kind of bridges books what is it uh, bridges books like four and seven like what the bad guys have been doing between four and seven when we haven't seen them for a while. Um, so it's like book five and a half and sort of like seven and a half-ish is how, how it ends up working. But yeah, so there's, a, there's about 11 books, even though. Do you have an end in mind? Or, I mean, theoretically, yeah. it's forever, right? No, I wish. So I, 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 I'm around books, uh, uh, around book five, I felt like I was kind of being faced with um, can, can they just kind of do this forever um, and continue to go on, you know, monster of the week, monster of the book sort of things? Or is it going to be um, a transition into something that feels more like a this is the big goal quest for the series um and felt myself getting pulled towards like the this is the big kind of this is the yeah this is the big quest um but that was scary because i knew that kind of would give it a number like a like a, a there would be an i had that and then mine so i couldn't keep going and um i also found myself struggling with trying to keep giving the kids um like emotional arcs and stuff within each book um when you know on book nine or book ten is it you know um like what's jack going through this time um i found that without sort of knowing where it was going and having a sort of uh a plan for it that was really difficult um and of course, there's all sorts of books that you don't need that, and that works just fine. Um, like Indiana Jones, you know, that's uh, I'm still thinking movies, but like you know, James Bond, Indiana Jones, those characters don't change much. Um, they just sort of go out and have a cool adventure, and that's it. And that's why we love those things, um, I think. Uh, but 
when it's in the first person, at least for me, this is just me, like I had trouble doing writing it without Jack sort of having to kind of learn something and figure out something about himself and about friendship and life and stuff like that. Um, so um, I think there will be, no, his number eight just came out. I think there'll be uh, three or four more like main books in the series. So I have an, I have an end in mind. Um, yeah, I have, I have an end in mind. I'm right now I'm working on book nine. Um, I'm behind as usual, but, um, and it's a, it's a little bit different than uh, book eight and book nine. The further get, the closer it gets to sort of an, an end, the more the books start to get a little bit different because just have to kind of, the kids find themselves in different situations. They have, they have to, or else you sort of retread, re, you know, um, going over ground you've already walked. Um, so they they end up also being different. Then then there's new challenges like 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 you said, balancing like this spooky with the or the the action with the with the sort of lighthearted the, the Goonies feeling hijink hijink. So um, that same stuff happens and and pops up, but in new and different ways when as the series gets on when do you know that this is you 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 struck gold there's going to be a series there's going to be a video game this i mean forever on all the great things that you're going to continue to do after this there will always be max brailler probably author of the last kids on earth when does that sink in that, that you've done it um it it i don't know um it, i don't know if it did i mean or if it, and I don't think it really has, and I don't, you know, it, it sort of it doesn't feel like I can. Oh, it's it's a tough question. I know you. I know you. I know you mean. Um, I, th I think with the with the TV show, it always felt like it was like a cool conversation that I was having. Um, that would be really fun to do, but it never really felt that realistic until it, suddenly it was real. And then that was like, oh wow, okay. Um, and then that sort sort of got to get that became very real very quickly. Um, and, but it was a like such a whirlwind. Like my um, the first conversation I had with the producer about possibly doing it was like the day after my daughter was born, my first child, um, and my first only child. Um, and so like that was like a very busy time, like, just a crazy time. I think we moved four times in, you know, in four years, something like that, or five years. So it was all just kind of like trying to catch my breath. Um, and there was, you know, maybe around book six or seven, I felt like, okay, like this is, people are buying a lot of copies of this book and that's good. Um, and that was really nice. Um, but I, I really was, and I'm still always like, mostly kind of consumed by like, I don't want the next one to suck. I don't want people to not like it. Like really, like, you know, um, I, it, which is silly um, that I should be so worried about that. Um, so I don't think I ever had, had like truly, except for when, when Mark Hamill voiced, um, one of the characters in in the show and it, and I was like and I, I said uh I remember like waking up my wife and being like this like did I die and this is like like every occurrence at Al Creek Bridge like I felt like I had um like maybe I like had you know had you know that something happened and I was just living out this kind of imagined very fun version of what like I would have wanted my life to be when I was in sixth grade. It's like, oh, you're like, you're writing a Dawn of the Dead sort of thing with, for, for, but, but for kids, it's got a big quest to it. And then Luke Skywalker's gonna do one of the voices and it's, and you know, they're gonna fly to Los Angeles. And like, it all felt really not believable. Um, like to the point of like, this can't be real. Like literally like at night, like, is this actually? Um, but um, I think it is. Unless you live in a, a simulation, or everybody says all the time now. Um, so I don't know when or if it ever really kind of felt like, oh, like this is now a big thing. Um, but the first time I hit the New York Times bestseller list, that was really cool because I knew that you only had to do it for one week. 
get one and then forever never anything you write top it would say new york times best-selling author so the same thing it says for um stephen king it would say for me if i just hit it for one week um on the children's list and i like to say i remember really thinking about that and like when when um when they when my at my uh editor called to tell me um that i think it was the the second so i think the second book hit for like like a, hit the new york times best list for a couple weeks um the first one i ever did um i remember being like hanging up being like okay so now i can just say that forever i just needed to do that once and now i can now i can say that forever and that'll help that'll help the next book like that's sort of the you know, way i was thinking about it i'm watching our time and it's, it's nearly gone esteemed audience knows i can't not ask max browyer have you ever seen a ghost and or a flying saucer no nope um no and i think you know have you ever seen a ghost um not a ghost no no um i if i saw a ghost if people tell me they've seen ghosts i'm always i never really believe it because if i saw a ghost my brain would be so fried my entire scope my entire look at everything if i suddenly knew that my relatives were walking around my me you know in un, in a dead form and that also there was an afterlife and that you know maybe the things that i was the way that i live now was going to cause me to live in limbo or you know sort of stuck hanging around a, a, a house haunting it um you know the amount of time that i spent thinking about like i don't want the next last kids book to suck the, the amount of time I would spend thinking about what I, I think an eternity would look like, like I, if I, I, my brain would melt, I think if I ever saw a ghost, I think it's, that's why I never sort of believe people said they saw ghosts. Um, I don't not it can see weird stuff, but like a, if I ever, and also I would just be so scared, like in movies, whenever people react to ghosts, um, or people, every people react to everything, like anything, like, um, you know, they'll be like walking out, or they'll be like in the kitchen, they turn around, someone's like standing there, and they go like, <gasps> And I would scream. It happens to me all the time. Like I'll, sometimes I'll come downstairs, or I'll, I'll be sitting downstairs at night. And my daughter will like wake up and come downstairs, and I'll like get up to go to the go, go to the the, um, the fridge, and, I, and I'll see her standing there. And I will scream at, like bloody murder. Like I'm terrified. Um, it's just you know some like so if I saw a ghost, like if I saw some like messed up, floating hot like face or something. It would be, I think I'd probably, I'd, I'd, I'd die of a heart attack or I would just, um, I, I can't imagine that. Um, um, and I've never seen a UFO. That would, that's much more believable to me. Um, and I don't, I always thought like there's definitely um, life out there. And then I started reading a little bit more about it. And then like I was reading about those, the, the Fermi paradox, or whatever. So maybe there's not, it's confusing um it would be very cool like that that's that's one of the things that i also i did spend a lot of time thinking about like what would the world like what would that actually be like just to live through like finding that out um like and yeah i just i think i think about that a lot um so no i'm not i've never seen either no i've never seen i've never seen either if i can if i can see one or the other i would rather see a ufo than a ghost Fair enough. This has been an absolute privilege and a pleasure. I wish I had another hour with you. You've got more books coming. Uh, come back. We'll do this again sometime, and we'll go through and write down the individual books. Um, for tonight, my, my last question for you is, from the outside, you've got the video game, you've got the series, you've got the action figures. It looks like every author's dream has come true for you through a lot of, of hard work and, and determination, as, as well as luck. Is there a downside to having that much good come to you uh, through a series? Um, uh, it's okay if there isn't. <laughs> no, no I, I think, I, I don't think that there's necessarily a downside, but I think what I would say is that just the way that I'm wired I don't find myself particularly able, like able to just sort of like. This is fun. I guess enjoy this because I'm worried about, you know, 
it's like climbing a mountain or something um, and you might get a great view, but then if that great view causes you to slip, you fall off and then, then it's over. And so I've always felt like, and stupidly so, um, that if, you know, uh, I sort of get distracted or kind of rest on my laurels or whatever, at the phrase, um, uh, that, you know, then the next book's not any good. And, and, you know, one book doesn't, one book's not as good as the previous ones. And sort of the word gets around, kids stop buying it, and then it all falls apart. And um, it's like a house of cards that sort of collapses. So I would say that there's, I mean, certainly not a downside. Um, and the, the upsides are the, are the ones that I think that are more, uh, maybe less expected. Like I've, um, I've gotten to, because I've gotten to tour a lot for the books, I've gotten to go to, um, we were just talking about um, guests you had on, Alison Gerber, who's a friend of mine. Uh, I've gotten to go to a lot of, you know, author festivals, things like that, and really make a community of author friends that um, I didn't have before, um, which is like really, 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 really nice. So that's one thing that kind of came out of it that was like, Oh, this is wonderful. This is just plain wonderful. Um, yeah, that's my answer. Where can esteemed audience find you online, follow you on social media and all that good stuff? Um, MaxBrowlier.com. It's spelled uh, Max, M-A-X. And Browlier is B-R-A-L-L-I-E-R. And then um, I'm on Instagram as Max underscore loves underscore pants underscore even though i don't I, I like i like the word pants i was talking about this somebody else a couple days ago i i like i wear shorts now all the time um but the word pants cracks me up and um not on twitter was but it was driving me loony and um then there's like uh www.lastkidsonearth.com is like a last so last kids updates and stuff like that Oh, and I have a Facebook author page, which I try to be better about doing. Yeah. Ah, as always, esteemed audience, uh, for more of the greatest interviews with the greatest people on earth, head to middlegradeninja.com. Download your free copy of Banneker Bones and the Giant Robot Bees. It will change your life. Pay cash money for All Together Now, a zombie story. It will also change your life. And God willing, I'm alive. I'll see you next week. Mm -hmm.